It is a Monday edition. Good to have you on board. The Jack Michael Show, originating from our uh, studios at 1020 South 25th Street in Fargo. It is the Gunderson Jewelers Studio. OMG! All my Gundersons. Make it easy to say I do with a custom-designed wedding ring. Gunderson's Uptown in Maine, West Fargo, or Gunderson's.com. Did your bride, Brad, was, was it a... I don't want to get too personal here. I mean, was it... Was it... <laughs> yes! Yes, I will, of course. You know, or was it? It wasn't quite course. as dramatic, but she said yes. Okay. So I, <laughs> yeah, granted, yes, that was. Well, right. I, yeah, I and I did propose. I did go cliche and propose on Valentine's Day. That is mm, excellently nice. done. But I did it from the. I didn't do it in public. I did it from the comfort of my own home. That is well, 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 well done. I love to start a Monday off with a good <laughs> wedding proposal story. <laughs> It is. There you go. <laughs> you didn't do it in public, like at a Red Hawks game. Or no, anything, I, right? I, I, I would never be able to do I, that. No, I, that's a roll that I said. You and, and obviously, you knew the the response was probably going to be yes. That, I mean, yeah, yeah, my my odds were good. Yeah. You hate to roll those dice, right. but yeah, like in the middle of a like a like a rodeo popping out of a barrel to go. Yes. Will you marry you? That's not the you way. No, I kept it uh, kept it very uh, very private. It is a uh, Monday edition. Lots to get to, obviously, from a busy weekend in sports. The Twins are glad they're out of California. The Red Hawks are glad they're still home at Newman Outdoor Field after a a nice sweep of a weekend. And the Vikings are going to try to reduce, as we just heard, the penalties. That, that That's what preseason is for, and that's what games are for to get that done. Uh, as you know, big shout-out. I know that we got people tuning in, uh, as you guys know, and, 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 and thank you for – allowing me to zip over there Friday and Saturday and Sunday. But uh, for the Babe Ruth World Series, with three North Dakota teams playing in that World Series, West Fargo and Fargo and then the host team, Williston, uh, just, just, uh, again, a lot of people in this area, in this part of the state, can put tournaments on. And I'm not doing it just because I'm from. I hear this from the national side of things and even the – well, they know how to put a tournament on it. <laughs> they know how to put a tournament. Raising over well over half a million dollars locally. You know, you're bringing Lee Greenwood in to sing the anthem, then doing a concert on the first night, <laughs> and then a, a fireworks display of like twenty to thirty thousand dollars worth of fireworks just going off like there's wow. no tomorrow. Uh, a drone show the next night, uh, the lighting drone show. Saw a some, drone show. Saw some pictures of that. Pretty that cool stuff. Really? Yes. The uh, the opening ceremonies, which a lot of teams and you know, warm day, but. But you have, uh, you know, uh, you know Teddy Roosevelt. If anybody's seen Teddy I saw that too, yeah. in character, if you ever go to the Badlands and you hear, oh, the 26 persons in Iowa State, and the guy that knows it. So there's that actual, it's almost like a theater-type situation. And then they have a Black Hawk helicopters come flying over, oh, yeah. right over the top of, uh, of the ballpark to get things going. And, you know, the, the chefs of the day, meals like Philly cheesesteaks and in, in one side and all the – it's just an insane amount of work that gets put in, but it is really well worth it, and uh, that's what's going out of the World Series. I was doing that over the weekend, and not the very least, of course, bringing Kirk Gibson in. And uh, I tell you guys, uh, and I, and I, I chatted with Jeff Bittiger because Bit was up uh, during the le- recent homestand, and uh, Bit not only you know played against uh, Kirk Gibson, you know, and Bit was a twin, and and Gibby was a tiger. Uh, Jeff was the last one cut on the 88 Dodgers team, uh, for those that didn't know, and, and, and certainly felt he should have not been. Right. <laughs> he still he's a this, little biased, but yeah, yeah. had the stuff and down to AAA, you know, so he's, he's the last one cut, but Gibby on that team. Also, so Jeff told me, says, when you go over there, and I know Kirk's the, uh, 
the keynote speaker and you're the MC and you're going to be sitting and chatting with him and all that. So just know that that those those kids are going to get a, a down to earth, <laughs> in your face, gritty message from Kirk Gibson. Yeah, and uh, I'll tell you, of all the people who've been around, that is as genuine as a man as you guys can imagine. Now Kirk's also, um, you know, he's slowed by Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. And it's it's visible to a point. To at one point, Kirk got into his talk after telling stories of Sparky Anderson and various things, even after Gibson hit a game-winning home run. And Sparky said, Kirk, before you go out to that media, you don't get to that spot if Lou Whitaker doesn't make a play. So you acknowledge Lou. And Kirk's like, oh, I acknowledge Lou. All right. And then Kirk realized at that moment that sometimes it's better to be a teammate and acknowledge Lou. And he said, what well, that did to Lou Whitaker. You know, stories like this mm-hmm. about being teammates. And then he got to the talk about don't be don't be afraid of anything. Don't fear. You know, take fear out. You're going to strike out. <laughs> You're going to strike out. You're going to make an error. You're gonna... So he went to that speak. And I'm sitting to his left as he's talking. And then he says, and all of us at the podium, he says, right now, right now, I'm experiencing anxiety and I have Parkinson's running through my body. And I don't care. I don't care. I don't fear it. I don't care. And these kids' eyes are just, and you know, he's visibly, that's the Kirk Gibson. You, I tell you, it's about 20 minutes plus of just raw speech from the heart kind of guy. I it, imagine. Really moving. So he, when he just came, he says, I, I am I am anxiety-filled right now, and I've got Parkinson's, and I'm jigging, I'm up here, blah, 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 but I don't care because I'm just meeting each day head on. So that was really just a snippet of, of the weekend of the uh, the of the World Series out there, and and hopefully the uh, the fellows. I know Fargo beat uh, the host team. That's a pool play. Fargo beat uh, host team Williston, and I know West Fargo fell last night. Yep, they've lost two. I can tell you, Fargo is losing right now. Bottom of the fourth, seven to nothing. And they are playing today. Mifflin County. Oh, Pennsylvania. Yep. Yep. A good team. A good club. Yeah. There there was some. Uh, t- which team was it that uh, sent twenty to the plate one inning? Putting up 16 runs. Oof. I went, oof, that's a tough inning. That's a tough inning. So you get something. Then you get two nothing games, three nothing games, two one games. So it's all it's all absolutely good. Uh, let's start. Since the Vikings played a preseason game, and I know PA just talked about this, and on, my, on the morning sports with Joel, and, I, and I, I'm sure we have massive Viking fans here, Derek in, in that category, but with a lens that is – Maybe filter. I'm not psychotic about it. Okay. No. You're not I'm over realistic. The, you're yeah. not over the edge. And God, I, God rest his soul, Mike Trom, I'm not. Oh, right. Yeah. That's right. And where do we, we have, Mike, Mike and the we, and we oh, need God, the Mike Troms of this world. We, we, really yeah. do. we yes. need those people. Yeah, I miss him daily. But the, yeah. uh, and, and not having seen it because of the duties I had, fellas, you can, you can talk about this. But obviously people are high because we're a numbers-driven society. And, and what we see... Is uh, is what it is, and then from what we see, we take that and exaggerate it to levels upon levels upon levels. Even though the amount of data collected might even be small. So, with that said, obviously, Mon put up some nice numbers. He was nine of fourteen, a buck nineteen, no picks, two touchdowns, a rating of close to one thirty-one. Um, but having not listened or or viewed. I mean, did he? I mean, six three two fifteen a and m. I mean, I get it, uh, right? He's the backup. He's well, gonna be, think, he should be the backup. Oh well, yes, because Sean Mannion's not going to needs to hold a clipboard and wear a coach's coat. That's it, because he's not good. I no, mean, that was bad. I mean, it's like embarrassingly bad 
watching him try to play court. We saw in the Packers game last year. Um, yeah, he needs to be done. Okay. I mean, I think I would cut him and, and try to get some another journeyman out there. Or Upgrade at it. Yeah, it's got to be spot. somebody. And, yeah, and, and Mond, I thought he missed some open receivers, but he at least is a big mold of clay I think you can make something out of. And Mike Zimmer, I think, looks stupid because he didn't even try to play the kid last year and put Mannion out there who was awful. I mean, at least there's something. At least he can make a play for you, at least with his legs, if nothing else. And, yep. you know, he, he drilled a couple, a nice touchdown in there right mm-hmm. over the middle. I mean, th- there's something there. I, I certainly would put him in if Kirk went down with something before I'd put Mannion in. I mean, Mannion just, he's, he's, he no longer can play the game, and that was awful. I mean, he, he was missing guys wide open. Yeah, I mean, there was a, a couple of those series early on in the first half where they had to they had to settle for field goals. Mond missed an open guy yep. in the in the red zone, but that kind of slowed down for him a little bit in the second yes. half. He was able to extend some plays. Some worked out, some didn't. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, that was such a lost year for him. He got COVID. Zimmer just didn't want to admit he existed. And, I right. Mean, it was just everything. I mean, it was just a lost year for him in so many ways, and he just he he looked lost. He just looked behind, and you know, and it's just like even from the first half to the second, it was just like the progression was, you know, he he made he made some moves there. This like, isn't right. a value. It, it, it's a, we were chatting this morning on our brother station KFGO. It, it truly is an evaluation period that these exhibition games. So we don't put any stock whether Cousins takes a snap or not. In the preseason, I guess. I, I mean, or putting so much stock into one preseason game. I mean, there, there's the span of both spectrums here. I would. Right? I mean, yesterday's game was garbage. I mean, I mean, there. Ben Lieber was busy because he's interviewing all the key players that are yeah, in like, baseball caps and street like clothes. Jefferson and Cook, yeah, Jefferson and Cook, Thea. I mean, there was Patrick Peterson. I mean, oh, yeah, PP. Well, the, the the two defensive edge pass yeah, rushers, we had I mean, Hunter and Smith. On, yeah, I mean, it was had, uh, it was a joke. I mean, yeah, it was. This we might get to see a little bit more this week. I think this will be an interesting week. I'm gonna head down there Thursday and catch a little bit of the Trey Lance coming up, you know, right. to TCO Performance Saturday Center, night. and then uh, and then they play Saturday night. So that, I'm gonna be curious about. Awesome, that. Trey. Uh, Trey's numbers for for the few throws he had obviously was pretty efficient. Uh, as was I think Carson Wentz had a pretty decent uh, preseason Man, game. Yes, Trey. I mean, this is no surprise to people that watched him here at 19, but he throws that deep ball. It's pretty so nice. Yeah. yeah. So we're we're everybody's good with Trey Lance so far. Like he's yeah, absolutely yeah, after yes. you know, and I, I just you know he's a playmaker too. So that's going to be an interesting watch out in the Bay Area. That's you know, I should have used that. Week. You know, guys, when I was driving to Williston and on Highway Two, which now I found out after all the years of driving from Fargo and then get to mine it, then cut down. What is it, fifty two down towards you? Kind of slice the state in half a little bit, angle it out, then come and get get spit out somewhere and then hit east. I'm realizing that was a six-hour drive consistently. Now I found out in the last half a dozen years or so that if you're coming out of Fargo, North Dakota, your best bet is to go up I-29, go north on 29 to Grand Forks, and scoot over on Highway 2. You're going to shave some minutes. Hmm. And I can't believe <laughs> it took that long to realize that that is actually a shorter, really? shorter route. Yes, it is a— It but, just looks like one big rectangle to me. So. It, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to me, I'm, I, I so wasn't the, very good in geometry, but just it looks like no matter where, where you go from Fargo to, but I could see where maybe the road curves, I twenty nine. The difference curves, in yeah. your rectangle, Derek, is uh, is the numbers within the rectangle, fifty five, seventy, oh, seventy five. 
Speed limit and under Jack Michaels, uh, (laughs) speed limit, um, especially in North Dakota with your ten dollar fines over seventy (laughs) seven and eighty. I'm exaggerating, kind of. (laughs) Well, not entirely. So I was, uh, and I not. uh, We mentioned Trey Lance. I should have used this, but I, uh, I, uh, I had uh, questions for for each team that I made up between Grand Forks and say rugby. I, I think there'd be maybe a downtime where I could ask each individual state or city, whether it be Tri-Valley, California, which is out of the Bay Area, Mifflin County, Pennsylvania, Arkadelphia, Arkansas, Norfolk, Massachusetts, which is 20 minutes outside of Boston, all these Tallahassee, Florida, you know, Eau Claire, Wisconsin. So what I was doing in the car is thinking of one trivia question about each one of their communities and towns. And so during the, the banquet, uh, while there was a lull before everybody started getting their food. And when there's a 1,000 people plus, everybody lining up to get food takes a while to eat for yeah. these tables, all right? So I grabbed the mic, and instead of being at the podium, I just walked around in front, went to each of these kids, and I and I started making up random, you know, some trivia, you know, and which one of these towns here, you know, is the hometown of Joe Morgan and Vince Neal, the lead singer of Motley Crue. You know, so I'd be, you know, and that was the, like in the San Fran Bay Area, the Tri-Valley Area. But I saved Fargo, West Fargo, and Williston for last. And I said, one of these towns, a young man who's a reliever for the Boston Red Sox, hails from one of the cities represented here, da-da-da. And then they'd have to, I'd have to quiz another. But I should have dropped a Trey Lance on there and then quiz the Tri-Valley guys, maybe in California to understand. I'm sure there are Niners fans over there. For, uh, for, well, I saved Williston for last. And I said, last question. One of these cities, uh, a coach who coached Michael Jordan, and I stopped in their eyes like, Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, (laughs) is the coach is from one of the cities represented here. (laughs) I think some parent in the back yelled to his kid from like Norfolk, it's Williston, Williston, you know, Phil Jackson, Williston, I think I was it's pretty good to tie. It's amazing how small the world is. It can be. Right? It really can be, yeah, for sure. Good stuff. Uh, outstanding stuff. Busy show today on the uh, program. Hey, we're talking World of Outlaws coming up. World of Outlaws. Tony. Tony V is dropping back in the studio. Great guy. You know, we're, we're wrapped up. Speaking of Western Note and now in the East, Donnie Schatz and company. Donnie Schatz has got to be one of the most popular North Dakotans don't you think? I mean, the the, the Donnie. I mean, isn't he one of the most popular? Well, he's got all the state covered, right? I mean, he's really, got, he's got from Minot to to Fargo you know, to West. This Fargo. is kind of his home base here now, but I mean, you know, but yeah, I mean, just kind of growing up out west in Minot, and um, yeah, and he, he makes he makes so many treks out there. So we'll talk with Tony Veneziano coming up uh, at around twelve twenty today. Doctor Phil Johnson. We pushed the uh, doc for our Monday roundtable to twelve forty. He's in a meeting today. At, uh, at around that time. So we'll talk with Doc coming up at 1240. Obviously, we're stepping into camps now and injuries that are happening and, and more. But uh, phone lines are always open at 237-3767 or 888-458-6926. Is that Phil Jackson on line one, Brad? It is not. We do have a... We have a caller wants to bring up the wants to bring up good old Mike the Viking fanatic. So oh, go ahead. You're on the uh, Jack hey. Michael show. How you doing? Hey Jack, it's Andrew. Hey Andrew. I'm a lot, but. Hey, uh, so I was on Mike the Viking fans fantasy team back in the day, okay? Nice. And a little story here for you is that, you know, obviously he wanted to draft all Vikings. <laughs> Shocking. But this was the 
this was the off season after Ontario Smith got busted with the Wizenator. Mm. I was trying to convince him that Ontario Smith's not going to be available for a while, <laughs> and I could, <laughs> and the the suspension hadn't come through yet, and I could not convince him not to draft Ontario yep. Smith for the. <laughs> that sounds like Mike. <laughs> that, that's yeah, a great that's story. Great. And let me guess. There wasn't a Packer, even if even if a Packer oh, yeah. were, a, even if the greatest player were a Packer and yeah, available, you would not take Aaron Rodgers or, or Brett Favre when Favre was yeah, green. or a lion or a bear, or a lion or probably a bear. That's a great story. My Andrew. favorite story with Mike the Viking Panic is Brett Favre's overrated. You know, and just I mean, no, no, no. And then 2009 comes around, and this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. I mean that. that <laughs> Oh yeah, it's it's right up there when those couple of years the Royals were good when they got to the World Series in fourteen and yes. they won it in fifteen and he would not cheer for the Royals because they were in the same. You have to the hate Lions. the division, right? Mike yeah. once stood in a phone booth while it was raining out and was on hold for forty five minutes once on a show I was doing. I said, "Just could you hang on? Just tell Mike to hang on. I'll hold." <laughs> he was raining out in a Call the 800 number. Just to talk Vikings. You know, like we weren't talking Vikings that particular year. It's like one of those things where like I can't, not getting to that until like the 45 mark. You know, I'll wait. And you could just hear the rain pounding. Where are you, Mike? <laughs> I have a phone booth over here. Where am I? Where am I? I'm like, oh my God, it's in a phone booth. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a great stuff, Andrew. Good memory, man. Thanks for the call. Yeah, thanks, guys. You got it, man. We're coming back. World of Outlaws and more. It's a Monday edition. Jack Michael Show, Brad Anderson, Derek Hansen at 740 The Fan. Reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes. The flags go up. Churning and burning. They yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless I'll tell you, it's coming. They pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent. If this doesn't get, I can. I wonder if they're listening to this along with their pip guy, because this would pump me up, Brad, right here. This would be. I'd be. I'd be doing 84 miles an hour illegally on the intercept. Tony Veneziano, look at Tony V is in the house. World of Outlaws are coming. Holy cow! The duel in the Dakotas. Tony, we're ready to roll. How you doing, Tony? doing great yeah it's hard to believe it's already the middle of august and man august 27th is going to be here before we know it i i just heard the uh, the spot there for uh, some of the drivers in there those are some pretty familiar names tony pretty familiar names there's going to be some talent running around that dirt there definitely is i mean people are saying that they think it might be the toughest crop outlaws drivers ever i mean in the old days you know you'd have three four guys that were capable of winning now honestly there's about 10 guys every night and it's I mean, when you just look at the standings, the guy leading the points, Brad Sweet, he's only won three times this year. Donnie Schatz, he just won his third race the other night. So, I mean, you know, those two guys right there, they've combined to win 13 championships, and they've each only won three times. That just shows how many guys have won races. You know, there's almost 50 races in the books right now, so about 15 different winners so far. And, and of the full-time guys, a couple of the young guys, uh, Sheldon Hanshi and Carson Macedo, they've each won eight times. So, I mean, it's it, in a sense, a little bit of a maybe changing of the guard. Some of these younger guys are really stepping up, but obviously the veteran guys, Donnie Schatz, Brad Sweet, David Gravel, those guys are still in the hunt every night as well. So it's you never know who's going to win. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing to watch this year. I'm going to ask you why about that in a second, but the World of Outlaws Nas Energy Drink Sprint Car Series making its final upper Midwest venture. They got the duel, the duel at two iconic North Dakota tracks. But you mentioned it with Donnie and Sweet and, and, and these names, Gravel, the uh, – and now it's nice to see. I'm sure the bar has been set high, so it has brought other drivers have to know what they, they're up against and they've got to, you know, be better. But, I mean, the cars are not, you know, it's not like 
you know, they're not. It's the driver still here, Tony. Right? Why are the same guys? Uh, why have they, there's been domination in the sport? And granted, now you're, you're talking about the diversity now with with more. But why do you think it is? Well, I mean, a lot of it's just the longevity of guys and being with the team for a number of years. You now, everybody always says it takes about three to five years to to gel with the team and do well. And that's what some of the young guys like Sheldon Hahn, Shield, Carson Steele, they've been with teams for about three or so or three or more years. And that's kind of what it took guys like Donnie and Brad Sweet and Gravel and those guys, you know, three or so years with a team. Gravel's in his second year with the team, so he's maybe an exception to that. But Brad Sweet, he's had the same crew for a handful of years. You know, Donnie's had some some crew changes the last few years. And obviously, they changed engines going to the Ford engine, and, and that's been a big hurdle for them. So he's had a lot of variables thrown in the equation. And I think that kind of even the playing field a little bit in the sense that you know these guys who are with the same teams have the same crew members, same crew chiefs. They've been able to close that gap. And, and just the cars right now, everybody can pretty much go buy the same thing everybody else has. So then it comes down to the crew and who can set the car up and, and what driver can you know adapt to the track the fastest. Whereas in the old days, you know you had guys like Steve Kinzer and Sammy Swindell who just had equipment that was you know head and shoulders above everybody else and nobody else stood a chance whereas now the equipment is so equal that it definitely comes back to that driver and that's where the experience comes in i mean guys who've been to these tracks a handful of times or, or a lot of times you know they know where to run on those tracks and what what adjustments to make on the setup so it's just a little bit of everything but mainly just getting that seat time and 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 that repetition, kind of, you know, kind of like a quarterback out there. You know, you get the reps in, and, and it makes you better. And that's kind of like these guys. You know, they they don't get a hundred laps of practice like a NASCAR race. They get a handful of laps to practice before the event, and got to get up to speed. So that's why, for some of these guys, it does take a handful of years just to get acclimated and, and used to things. Just from a uh, kind of a small sample, that's kind of kind of what happened to Donnie. He didn't uh, he didn't get the lead and uh, kind of make his move until later in the race Saturday night in Knoxville. Yeah, and that's a lot of his experience. You know, David Gravel, you know, said, I never heard him coming, and that was just because Donnie kind of, you know, knew where to be on the track so that he wasn't even around the side of Gravel because then Gravel would have heard him, and he would have moved up the track and, and changed his line a little bit to, to block Donnie's progress. So that's a veteran move right there that, you know, a younger guy would have probably just went for it, you know, a few laps earlier, tried to take the lead, and, and Gravel would have seen him there and then adjusted his line and probably driven away. So, you know, that is a, a great veteran move right there. You know, the only lap that pays is that last lap. So, you know, he led the last, I think it was four or five laps. You don't need to lead all of them. You just need to lead that last one. Tony Beninziano joining us today. The World of Outlaws coming uh, here as we reach and, and approach the uh, the end of August. These the The schedule that these drivers have, and, you know, Brad, you call hockey. We joke about how junior hockey, like, it ends and then, boom, it starts the next week. I'm, you know, the Red Hawks are going boom, and then they turn around and go. All these schedules. Everybody's got a schedule. But I'll tell you, I don't think anything compares, Tony, to this, the schedule these drivers have and, and the travel that they do in between racetracks, for goodness sakes. Yeah, it's, it's pretty grueling. I mean, in motorsports, it's probably the most grueling of anyone. I mean, you could take the NASCAR schedule, the IndyCar schedule, add those up, and they still won't run as many times as the Outlaws. I mean, about 90 races a year, and, and that's probably the easy part, the racing part. Like you said, the travel, it's just grueling. I mean, there's times when you got to go four or five hours overnight. You know, we're lucky when we're in North Dakota, we go, you know, 100 miles from Grand Forks down to Fargo. So that's <laughs> an easy one. People can do that literally in their sleep. But there are nights, yeah, when you go four or five hours, and after the race, you still got to go to a car wash, get all the dirt and the mud off the car. And then the next day, you got to get up early, get the car maintenance. It takes a number of hours each day to you know, take all the body panels off, make sure all the nuts and bolts are tight and everything's up to par for the next night of racing. So it, it's just a constant grind. And I think the unsung heroes are definitely crew members. I mean, those guys, 
they're the ones in the trenches. You know, a lot of the drivers, they get to drive their motor home and, you know, they get to sleep in a little bit, but the crew guys, they got to get that car prepared for the next night. So it's, it's challenging. It takes a special type of person. I mean, it's got to have a good work ethic to be out there and you got to be dedicated and love the sport. And that's what it seems like all the crew members, they definitely have those traits. Circle the date, August 27th, by the way, uh, Tony Veninziano uh, joining us today, World of Outlaws. We're chatting about it. What do you, what's the equivalent, Tony, for those listening of, of what Donnie Schatz is, is seeing as he's driving out there. How do, you, how do you put it in perspective for us civilians and common folk that have never gotten, climbed into one of those sprint cars with the big wings and skidding around a track and then opening up? Is there any equivalent, Tony, that you can think of? Well, nothing I've ever driven in because I, I don't drive fast enough to drive a race car. But my wife doesn't drive like an old lady, so I'm not probably a good person to ask. But I mean, it just it takes good vision. I mean, you know, you obviously you only have a bottom from the side from one side of the car to the other side where you're looking out the front. Is they put a rock screen on there, which is kind of like a little little cage, like a little fence type thing of made of metal, and it's literally probably about two feet wide that you have a vision to look across, but. Guys like Donnie always say you're always looking ahead a few cars and thinking about your next move. You know, you, you see one car, but you're thinking about the car ahead of it or two cars ahead of it and what you got to do to get up there. And it just it, it takes a great vision. And that's what a, a lot of guys, you know, the reflexes and the vision are sometimes the things that prevent guys from racing maybe longer in their careers. Because once your reflexes and your vision start going, you know, that's a, a big hindrance. So, you know, guys who have good vision and, and good reflexes, definitely in a sprint car, that pays off because things happen so quick. I mean, you have, you know, literally milliseconds, to a fraction of a second to, to make a decision, you know, turn that wheel. And if you turn that wheel just a hair, that car's going to dart to the side. So it's something where you always got to be on your toes. And, and, and obviously it's called a sprint car. Things are a sprint. They're 30, 30, 35 laps, usually the final race of the night, the main event. So you don't have time to kind of ride around like you do in a NASCAR or an IndyCar race for the first half of the race. You got to be on go from the time, time you get out there. And I, I think a guy like Donnie, I mean, just a number of years. I think he's in his 26th year out there now. I mean, just the repetition and the seat time, you know, you learn little things and just from watching other drivers too, you can see some of their tendencies and, you know, a guy like Donnie, he's got an encyclopedia in his head because he's, you know, he's raced against Steve Kinzer and Sammy Swindell in the old days. And he's learned from those guys and, and now guys watch him and, and kind of look at his tendencies and, you know, see what he does. So it's, I mean, it definitely takes a, a great driver to be out there to be able to compete for wins at the World of Outlaws level. Is there a consensus on the tracks around here, uh, like the couple of weekends here with the Grand Forks and River City and uh, also with the uh, Red River Valley Speedway in West Fargo? What's what's the consensus from the drivers about uh, the tracks here in the eastern side of the Dakotas? Oh, they like them. You know, Grand Forks is a tiny track, one of the smallest tracks they race at, so the Everything happens in a hurry there, so everybody loves going there. And, and Fargo, since they redid the track, is really racing. You know, it used to be a big half mile, and now it's a three-eighths mile, so a lot, a lot better action there now that they made the track smaller. You know, you get into lap traffic, 24 cars start the main event, and usually by about lap five or eight or ten, you know, you're to the back of the field and you got to negotiate around slower cars. And that's what wins and loses a lot of races is getting through the lap traffic. So it, it plays a, a great role in it, and, and just a great part of the country to come to. You know, after after the Knoxville Nationals over, everybody kind of breathes a sigh of relief and, and kind of you, know, you start looking forward to a downhill now. You know, with, with the races, because you have a little bit more time in between them. So coming to North Dakota is always a great break for the guys. They enjoy it, and obviously two great tracks up there with Red River Valley Speedway and River Cities and Grand in uh, Grand Fork. We'll let the folks know eventually. Uh, you know where to go, websites, tickets, all that. Dates here in a second. Uh, but uh, before we let Tony 
go today. It, it's funny in the American Association now. I'm feeling old because there's there's players like Steve Lombardozzi, and it's the son of Steve Lombardozzi who played for the Twins. And you know you've got Casey Clements, who's the son of Roger Clemens, going on. Palmero's son is playing now. So you see, like in base the sport of baseball, Tony, I'm broadcasting. Going now, I feel old because now the sons are all mid twenties. But I'll tell you this, and Brad knows this also, because we both broadcast a lot of high school sports, Brad, certainly, at the state tournament. The Kenwood Vikings, correct me if I'm wrong, and I know this is right because I, I sent a package, an audio package, because my buddy Sean Preep, who's been associated with Donnie for a long time, Sean and I graduated high school together, and Sean says, by the way, you got Donnie Schatz's, and I want to say niece or what have you, Layla Eisenshank, Layla Eisenshank yep. who's, who's a young driver herself. So the question is, Tony, and probably maybe a sophomore at best, freshman, sophomore. I think she'll maybe. be a freshman this freshman, coming year, yeah. Good little ball player, but also enjoys racing. Tony, do you see, um, you know, nephews, nieces, sons, daughters following in, in footsteps on the circuit? You definitely do. I mean, you're one prime example, Sheldon Hawnshield, his dad, Jack Hawnshield, a Hall of Famer who won about 80 or so World of Outlaws races. He's out there making a name for himself. Uh, Logan Schuhart, he's actually the grandson of Bobby Allen, who is a, a past World of Outlaws winner, and his son, Jacob Allen, who they're, it's kind of weird because they're actually, Logan Schuhart's older than Jacob Allen, but he's Jacob's his uncle. So <laughs> those guys are both out there racing, but Terry on the, the Allen family tradition as well. And, and Craig Kinzer, Steve Kinzer's son, he's obviously out there racing. So yeah, it, it passes down. I mean, you know, a lot of people say, you know, once racing's in your blood and in your genes, you can't get it out. And, you know, that's, that's a good thing to have. And, you know, you mentioned Donnie's nieces, you know, both of them do race. The one's been running the sprint car quite a bit. And, and she became the youngest ever winner at and Red River Valley Speedway a few weeks ago or a month ago at, at age 14 and whatever wow. month. So wow. you got to be 16 to run with the Outlaws. So still a couple of years till she can run an Outlaws race. But you know, I would imagine they got that on the horizon down the road. And she got a great teacher. I mean, to learn from a guy like Donnie Schatz is one of the best she's ever raced a sprint car. So to be able to learn from him. And, and obviously she's shown she has the talent to do it. So it'll be pretty, pretty, pretty neat to watch her the next few years. And, yeah, it's just – it's cool to see, you know, the sport getting passed on to generations. Yeah, that's awesome. That is how, yeah, and, and like I said, that, that Layla's a pretty good uh, all-around athlete. Forget NIL. She's going to have a built-in name, image, and likeness with all the sponsorship. By the time she gets to college, she'll be she'll be well-versed in name, image. She'll be hawking breakfast at Shots' Crossroad <laughs> like, right there. Like batteries and chargers <laughs> and wheels, and yeah, she'll be sponsored. But you're a hoop player. That's all right. I'm sponsored it's by all the, good. It's all good. Uh, Tony, is the best thing to do a uh, direct tonight? I know we'll have a, a, a special ticket or two that we'll uh, uh, let the audience uh, in on and, and give away, but uh, to purchase, uh, to make sure that that you're there, that they don't miss anything. Uh, RedRiverValleySpeedway.com. Is that the best way to angle it here, Tony, or is there another way? Yeah, you can go right there because there's a link from their website then to the ticket site. It, it says uh, Buy World of Outlaws Tickets. So you just click on that, and it'll take you to the ticket site, and you can buy them right online. And that way you save a few minutes on race day. You don't have to wait in line. Just get there, pick your tickets up, and, and walk right on in. It's as simple as that. And if you want more about the World of Outlaws, uh, here's a tough one to remember, WorldOfOutlaws.com. So simple how you do that. Do you want information on the races, the standings, the points? Go get it. Tony, you are a champion, man, and uh, we, we thank you for jumping on. It probably won't be the last time we chat again. So thanks for coming on, fellas, for that information. Everybody's jacked up for that duel in Dakota, so it's going to be a good time. Have a great Monday, Tony. Yep, you guys too. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. You got it. Tony Veneziano uh, joining us today, World of Outlaws, promoting that one. Brad, have you ever had the inkling? Have you ever had the, have you ever the, the urge to get in one of those cars 
go really fast, get around the corners, or is that not something that would... I can't remember if I say if you were here. I think uh, if you were here one day, we were talking about the show that uh, I... Uh, one time filled in at a track, uh, announcing at a track, and they, the thing was they were going to do media night and put me in a car, and I went, nope, nope, no thanks. <laughs> so that, that is, a- I says you can put you can put me you can put a helmet and padding on me. I still was like <laughs> I had visions of rolling it one would over. Be like remember Revenge of the Nerds? Was it? Uh- Takata, Tashida, that he was driving the bike and yes. the, everybody else was passing out or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and right. He was he was just going. Duh. He's just, he's just <laughs> yeah, slow and steady. Winning that that would have right been there. your race. That slow, steady. Probably, I would have. Yeah, I guess I, I don't know <laughs> if I would have maneuvered those corners very well. Be like Rachel, hand Daddy a sandwich. We yeah. got another lap. That's go. right. Uh, got a little, uh, got a little time left. <laughs> hand me that bag of chips. Listening to Dan Fogelberg on the radio <laughs> of your. Sp- uh, throw a little, st- little Steely Dan steely in Dan. there. Yeah. The, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, we'll come back. Doc Phil will jump at a round table today. Uh, the Twins in action tonight. Best thing for the Twins, uh, homestand. Let's get back to Target Field. Yep. Let's figure this stuff out at home. Score some runs. And score, let's try to score some runs and hold a lead if we do get a lead, you know, that kind of thing. And the Red Hawks, well, they're just going to try to keep doing what they're doing. 80% of the regular season is done. 20% remains. Red Hawks are positioning themselves fairly well. That's uh, coming up tonight here on The Fan. Stick around. Doc Phil coming up next. It's a Monday edition. J.M. Show on 740 The Fan. There he is. Every Monday joins a roundtable conversation. Brad Anderson in studio. Jack Michaels show here. Dr. Phil Johnson, orthopedic surgeon to the stars. And everybody else who needs his services. And Doc, where are your feet planted today? Just I'm going to get that out of the way. Are you in your home? Nope. My feet are planted firmly here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. That's right. We're still at the juniors going on. That's right. I'm sorry. I, I've been. We're still I, at the I've been on. I've been like. I've had a Phil Johnson schedule. I've been been from Nebraska to <laughs> right next to throwing a stone to Montana. So I'm thinking. Oh, I was actually closer to you when I was home in Williston. I wasn't far away from you. Oh, there, there you go. Yeah. No. You should have come up and watched a couple little hockey games. I definitely, uh, if I'd have had the time, I certainly would have. That's uh, that's good. How, how are things going, by the way, Doc? Give us a little update. Things are going good. Uh, the guys finished pool play, and they're uh, in top, finished first in their pool. Uh, we had a good game against Sweden last night, winning 3-2. to two. Uh, So now it's a day off, and then uh, tomorrow start working on work towards the actual tournament. So the quarterfinals will start. We will play Latvia, who just won their first World Junior Championship preliminary game ever. So they were all excited. So we'll play Latvia. And so as the quarterfinals will transpire Wednesday, we'll get it down to the semifinals for Friday and the finals on Saturday, and hopefully we're there. That is what we are shooting for. Anything standing out uh, in, in style of play, individual performance, uh, by the way, from the World Juniors from Team USA? You know, I wouldn't say just any one particular person. Um, it's, it's been a really good team effort all the way through. Um, you know, there's yeah, there certainly are some people that have, you know, paid notice. But, I mean, I think for the most part, and from what I can see, this is one of those teams that has just come together as a team. They're, they're all playing well. They're playing for each other. And, you know, that's what you need in something like this. And they're getting better each game, uh, which is so important in this uh in this tournament, uh, because it's such a grind, you're playing probably seven games in about 10 days. So, um, 
I, yeah, I think uh, I think they're doing really well, and hopefully we can kind of keep them on track. Brad, by the way, this doesn't shock you or Phil. So USA's in Group B. They, yep. uh, from my understanding, I think they they've outscored their opponents in their pool twenty two to four, and then in Group A is Canada. They've outscored their they outscored their opponents twenty twenty one to four. It almost looks like once once yeah. she starts getting but, Phil into a tournament, that that the two shall. Well, you would yeah. think that's uh, yeah. that's that's the matchup but, people are looking for, but uh, I would say no, no guarantee. Yeah, well, I mean, you look at you know the, the Swedes gave the the Americans a pretty good uh, pretty good fight last night, and uh, the, the the you got Finland on the other half too, Doc. Yeah, yeah, actually, I mean, I think the game t- today is Finland and Canada, and and the way Finland played the the other day, um, I'm not so sure that that it's a guaranteed Canadian win at all. That should be a really good game. I have a medical question for you. We can get back, and, and it's something yeah. that oh, I'm just—I'm not going to lie. It's my uh, my brother's nephew, he had twin boys, my nephews, and I wondered if this has ever happened. On, on, on I was almost going to text you, and and if this has happened to someone in the listening audience. So it's first week of, of college football, right? And Texas boys are playing college football first week of practice, and a uh, uh, big fella uh, got a Texas uh, uh, son has uh, dislocated his elbow. On both sides, so immediately I'm like, "Oh what? my goodness, does that not sound right?" But listen to this: they get him back from the hospital yeah. and says the elbow popped back in, and the doctor said, "Normally, do not see that. That's you see that in the shoulder, not necessarily in the elbow." My concern, though, is that even if it popped back in, of possible structural ja- damage. What, what do you? What can you tell us about that elbow? Uh, and obviously, you've done a lot of surgeries, well, Tommy John's and whatnot. Yeah, well, that's yeah, that's a little unusual. I mean, we'll see that in young kids, where they'll actually just look at what we call the radial head, and then it, as you're getting an X-ray, it pops back in. So we see that in the young kids. You know, that particular age group, that would be really unusual. Once you dislocate your elbow, it's really hard to to reduce it back in by yourself. Now. So then that begs the question, was it truly dislocated or was it partially dislocated? Um, what I would probably recommend is that because it's a little bit different than the norm. Is I would get a scan of it. Let's, let's see what the ligaments are like. Is he a loose-jointed kid? That's the other thing. You know, Sometimes these, these loose-jointed kids, um, a condition we call Ehlers-Danlos, do do that occasionally. I mean, they do it more in the shoulder and with the kneecap, however. But I would be a little concerned that there's been more structural damage that, you know, you just don't see on a plain X-ray. And in that situation, because it's kind of an odd circumstance, I would probably get a scan of his, of his elbow to make sure what structures are intact, which ones aren't. And then that would lead you down a pathway for rehabilitation and progressing back into play. I uh, I wonder how, uh, and this is a football injury, I don't know if dislocated elbows, and by the way, closed circuit to Doc, you're about to get a picture of it. Uh, I don't know how... how uh, if that's something, as these young men and boys get into football camp, if that's a normal uh, injury from practice drills in football or not. Ankles, certainly, yeah. Knees, maybe, sure. Elbows and shoulders in football? Elbow is not very common. Uh, not very common at all. And when we do see them, it's usually guys like linebackers um, because they're taking the brunt of the hits so much with their arms and things. But <clears throat> not a real common injury. I think I can remember one that I, over all my years of standing on sidelines, you know, for football games, I think I can remember one. Um, so not a real common injury. And let me look at your picture. He's got the picture there, Brad. 
I wonder if uh, there's another one right there. It's a uh, it's it's funny, Brad. I, uh, Brad, did you ever uh, suffer? In, I've already asked you about your how you engaged your wife. You know, to ask her to marry her. <laughs> right. Why not finish the show on injuries? Have you ever had any uh, thing that never is... really anything with my arm? I said I I I uh, tore my ACL almost what two almost three years ago now, and then uh, a, a tibial plateau fracture, which basically oh. broke my leg at, at the same time. Ouch! Yes. Oh. But yeah, I got, but when I, I look at that, Jack, when I look at that, that the radial head's dislocated, no question. Portions of that joint are still remain intact. It's not the greatest X-ray, but um, yeah, it looks like he dislocated his radial head. Look at that, which is a little different. Yeah, yeah, got another different, one uh, animal. Little Just, to deal with. It's amazing how good Doctor. This is why he's Team USA, and he's been around, and and more people go to him. How you could. Uh, decipher and and the manner is good. And I know that we're stepping into a lot of parents tuning in injuries, uh, this, that, another way, and uh, we're stepping into that that time of the season. So I'm sure there's a lot of parents out there concerned with that. Well, and I think in, in you you hit upon a point right there. You're hitting into that that beginning of the season. There's going to be a lot of sore muscles, a lot of things that kids haven't used for a while that will be sore and irritated. <clears throat> but the key here, because the temperatures are going to climb a little bit, and it's going to be warm. Hydration is the key. Uh, hydration, hydration, and make sure you're getting uh, an adequate amount of sleep uh, so that you can recharge and uh, make sure you're eating well as well because you need need a lot of protein now that you're working in some high-intensity activities <clears throat> so that you can restore uh, some of that minor muscle damage that's going to happen just through all the training through for the next couple, two or three weeks. Right, and then what's the rule real quick on, on uh, Gatorade or, or electrolytes versus just water? Didn't you you said something a few weeks well, ago about that? Yep. You know, prior to your activity, you know, a couple, two or three hours, you should you really should load up on probably about sixteen ounces of a good sport drink, and then during your activity, you want to just use water, uh, just plain cold water, uh, warm waters that digest it a little bit quicker, and then after you're done with your activity, you want to work on some sport or, or recovery drinks. And that can be the protein uh, types. Uh, you don't want to have a lot of sugar. Uh, so kind of use the ones that are a little lower in sugar as far as your sport drinks. But then load up on some protein after so that you can replenish uh, your protein stores from uh, during all that activity using your muscles. It's a good tip. Uh, good to have. Brad, you and I do the same before a broadcast. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> I've, uh, like I said, I, I, you have pro- I try not to drink as much pop as I have in the past. Sometimes it kind of varies, but I, mm. I've gotten to the point where I try to get a lot of water, try to do a little Gatorade. That, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's uh, I load up on proteins and Cheetos. Yeah, yes, you're very you, proteins and Cheetos. Eat carbs up, Doc. and then a soda maybe here and then doused in ice water, and then water. Yes, so there that's you go. all right. God, we're learning. All right, water chaser. Yeah, yeah, you're. you're you're getting there. Slowly but surely, you're getting there. <laughs> We're learning. We're learning. Go USA. Again, uh, you're next. You said Latvia, I think you said, uh, coming up. Yep. Well, it, it looks like we're playing the fourth quarterfinal game, and that will be 8.30 our time here, which is 9.30 back home. That's all on NHL Network. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, hopefully we can win there, and then we move on to the semifinals uh, on Friday. Awesome. Good stuff. Doc, uh, enjoy Edmonton today, as, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll reconnect uh, coming up in a week's time. But uh, if, if people need more information, uh, when Doc gets back on his uh, native soil, we will uh, we'll send it to, we'll send you down to Doc, and he can take care of your 
avulsion fracture or whatever you might have or an elbow or what have you. All right, Doc, thanks, buddy. Uh, be good. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Talk to you, we'll talk to you next week. You got it, buddy. Dr. Phil Johnson joining us. Twins in action tonight. Brad, Brad, are they... Um, Twins are at home against the Royals. Brad, Joe Ryan going tonight. Yep. It's August uh, like 15th. Two and a half back. Yep. Guardians have two at Detroit today. If you had to, if I had a a hammer to your big toe. <laughs> okay. I don't know why I'd have a hammer to your big toe. And your gut feeling, whatever whatever you're feeling about Minnesota Twins, in or out? I'd say out right now. I just, you know, hopefully yeah. they can get healthy here in September. Um, the one positive thing as far as, the, to me, they've got to win the division. But they have tiebreakers on just about every team they're chasing in the wild card. Tampa, point. the Orioles, Toronto. Uh, I know those three for sure. Because uh, they've got they won the season series, so they've got that going for them. But just to me, that you've got to win the division. I mean, yep. to, to get a chance at home with any of those three teams doesn't guarantee you anything. But it'd be better at Target Field than trying to win on the road someplace. Teams in front of them in the wild card: Toronto, Seattle, Tampa, Baltimore. And Seattle's another one they have the tiebreaker on too. Yeah, so. so that's that's a good point, Brad. No. But uh, yeah, that's an honest gut you have today. Also, I yeah, think right. I think a lot of Twins I fans. Not, are, yeah, I just I'm not having a real good feeling. They'd have taken you know three of five over the weekend. Obviously, is sitting in a different spot here. Maybe your gut's feeling a little differently. Let's hope Joe Ryan gets it done. I don't know. They went from Friday pitching really well. I mean, that just that series turned on its head just starting with the ninth inning Saturday yeah. night. Yeah, never good to start out with the Dodgers also. Good team. Red Hawks tonight, pregame at 640. And, uh, and we'll see. Hopefully the Hawks can keep it going tonight. Four gamers starting tonight against Sioux Falls. Stick around. Common Man is coming up next. Thank you to Tony Veneziano. 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 I love saying Tony's name. And Doc Phil. Common is next to the fans.